So I go down and I say to him, Hey, listen, man, as soon as you recover emotionally and you're up for the task, do you mind cleaning up your shrine to your dead love upstairs? (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Thanks for downloading the two. Sorry, Excuses Podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 134, the Grateful Dead Day edition. How you doing, Livy? All right, man. Grateful Dead Day. Yeah, I. Uh, today is the uh, 40th anniversary of Cornell 77, which is one of the uh, preeminent live Grateful Dead shows. And I know that that that, that doesn't really resonate with you uh, in particular, but if you'd, if you'd indulge me for a minute, I want to take I will indulge you, but lane. it probably is responsible for why I think it might have been the Wall Street Journal that might have had a link to an article about them. Somebody I saw had a link about an article today about the Grateful Dead saying how they basically paved the way for the sharing economy. Okay. You know. Oh, interesting. And obviously it had to involve the whole taping stuff, you know. Yeah, sure. Sure. I um that was my first uh that was my first exposure to right, a shared economy. I was in high school and I uh started started to get into music and uh, kid that I was on the track team with played uh, played guitar and he was in you know your typical high school cover band or whatever and um, you know we'd hang out after practice and, and just kind of you know do high school shit yep and we ended up at this record store and he's like check this out come to the back man come to the back and you go to the back and it's a whole like um, cassette rack of tapes and he's like we should take this one. And he takes it, and then he puts one back in its place. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And he explained to me the whole tape trading you know, procedure, which years later I got into with uh, Blues Traveler, much to, much to Matt Soap's amusement <laughs> that I was a, such a huge Blues Traveler fan. But yeah, I traded tapes, and you know, the internet uh, was a great facilitator of that. But this particular show this cornell 77 um was uh, obviously a, a, a live recorded show uh that, that a deadhead uh, had traded around and by and, cornell you, know, you mean th- ithaca right ithaca 77 right yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. just so cornell you University. might not know you know about cornell out there because people don't know shit Really? You think there's a lot of, of murderers listening to the show? <laughs> that's that's right. I forgot we got him. We, Great. We got now him. we probably gave him a place. Hey, you want to go find some friggin' smart people to molest and kill? Go to Ithaca, New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, that would be molest and or kill, right? Because not all of that. Yes, I'm sure that and there's a or, Yes, yes. Yeah, and there's or, a subsection, but not all of those people are molesters and yeah, murderers. Obviously, there's a Venn diagram there. <laughs> <laughs> you got the molesters, the murderers, and you got the overlap of the ones that molested murder. Yes. Uh, you know what's great is that's so fresh to us right now, but that's really a month ago throwback at this point, right? If you think yeah. about it. So, anyway. Um, so Cornell seventy seven is the is the quintessential live show, live Grateful Dead show, and uh, BP had a copy of it. Okay. And when my senior year, his sophomore year, when he and I, when I inherited the the DJ, the formal DJ business from uh, from my our good friend Little Koopy, uh, I hired BP you now to be my to be my hype man. And he and I would drive up and down the, uh, you know, the the uh, the Central New York corridor, uh, playing playing gigs, <laughs> as we'd refer to them. Working you know. your way up and down the uh, the sorority formal circuit and whatnot. Yes, <laughs> yes. And we go all the way up to Alexandria Bay. 
Uh, all the way down to Binghamton. I realize that that's not a very far stretch. It's, you know, it's probably a two, two and a half hour uh, drive from Binghamton to to Alexandria Bay. But that was that was our deal. That was our deal. And what we'd do is we'd pop in Cornell seventy seven set two, and we'd uh, you know we would just road trip in the in the Crown Vic because at that time. Uh, Peters had the car. Mike Peters had the car on campus. Yep. So he and yeah, I remember. You know, he and Brian. I remember the crown Vic. And uh, you know, we would cruise up and down. Snowstorms, blizzards, ice storms didn't matter. Just him and I, rocking out to Cornell seventy seven. And uh, <laughs> if I had a, I was thinking about this, and I and I'm sincere in this, and I know that this is just timely. So it's you know, I've got a little bit of a bias towards it. But if I had a time machine and could go back to one one moment, one one series of moments, right? Like one event, one event. Whether that event took place in a day or over a weekend, I could go back and re-experience one of my college experiences. I I would say going up to Alexandria Bay for the Gamma Phi Beta Winter Formal in the Crown Vic, playing Cornell 77, and pre-gaming the formal in the hot tub with Brian, just he and I, together in the heart-shaped jacuzzi, would (laughs) be on my short list of the events that 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 I would spend my one token on. I mean, there's got to be others, but like that always sticks out in my mind. And I think because there is figuratively and literally a soundtrack to that encounter, to those events. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. My train's here. It's uh, catching up with you again. <laughs> it's going to take you up to Ithaca, man. There's a big party tonight <laughs> celebrating Cornell 77. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to miss the train, man. <laughs> Party supposed to be rocking at least four in the morning, so you got plenty of time. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you for indulging me, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully BP uh, shares those sentiments, or at least has the opportunity, uh, you know, to revisit that that memory, whether it holds, you know, at, at this point in his life. I'm sure there's a couple. There's a couple other things he'd like to save his time machine token for you know but uh you mean but deep down other I hope, than I hanging hope. out in the hot tub with, with <laughs> you mean, back right. in 1996 or whatever uh, right right yeah you know so, i do believe uh, that that was probably the same weekend that i'd vomited all over his room before i even really knew him you think it was before I think it might oh, the have been same. the same week. The same. He was definitely yeah. at formal with you. Was it like late in the semester of the fall semester, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. It was definitely winter time. Yep. It was definitely winter time. Yeah. I want to I want to say uh, probably I wouldn't find that if I googled it online. Gamma Phi Beta formal. That's probably what it was. <laughs> Let's just say that cuz it makes it that much more Makes it that much better for the audience. Yeah, no, that is a great. I think while uh, at the same time I was getting ridiculously drunk with Fredo, and we were getting cut off after one drink in Fagans, and friggin' ending up in the parking lot, which probably isn't even a parking lot anymore, and uh, carried back to the mount in the back of a police cruiser. <laughs> I think Fredo even got a, uh, even got a, uh, well, it was like warnings from the school or whatever. We had to come down and, you know, residence, the, um, the residence hall or whatever. I think he even got a citation. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's what, didn't you buy the pizza and took it, took it for a ride in the, in the back of the, uh, of the squad car? Is that? True or no? I'm sure he probably did, but, you know, we don't really... Even the, the story at the time, the next day was, 
Fredo was like, I was all drunk. I vomited all over myself, but you were fine. Yeah, he remembers everything, and I didn't remember any of it, but I was the one that was fine. <laughs> so you know what's great? Let's you know, let's let's say that the eleven oh six or or let's call it my my college experience, right? Yeah. If we were to if we were to reduce that to a movie and you use the Star Wars use the Star Wars formula. Right, the first episodes, episodes, or it would be four through six, but the first three, you know, would be, you know, kind of like my freshman, sophomore year. Yeah, so then my your first one would be A New Hope would be your... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, it's like, it's like coming of age, you know, kind of introducing all these, all these characters. Freshman, sophomore year. Sophomore year was Of course, wasn't maybe great, even the prequels could be all, though. If we put Mike Peters in the Darth Vader role and Brian as Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, we, I don't, we're, not, we're not necessarily creating a space epic. We're just following the formula. <laughs> all right, right, all right. Well, I'll let you go with your formula. <laughs> so you've got, you've got three movies. You've got we will three not movies. have to have Darth Peters. <laughs> as a saga. And then the follow-up to that are three more movies that are a saga. So it would essentially be, you know, the guys that I graduated with and lived in 1106. And then you guys. Yeah. Right? So then you'd have your own, your own trilogy. And then there would come some type of new trilogy, right? Of whether it's... I don't know whether we go back to school or there's a new 1106 crew or whatever. So then there's a, there's three more after that. But then in between those are these standalone movies like uh, like Rogue One, right? Yep. And that would be the story. That would be the story of BP and I up in Alexandria Bay being told in the same time frame that you're back in campus vomiting on his. Yeah, in his bed, you know, all that. Yes. Right. So it's these two. It's it's almost like these two novellas, these two individual stories going on, but they reconnect at some place later on in the in the uh, in the canon. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they stand alone, and we that. all die at the end. <laughs> exactly. You get it. You get it. Liv gets it. Yep. Yeah, I get Liv it. Gets it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh if I were to do a a if I were to do a movie about about I don't know if necessarily it'd probably be my college experience, right? It would be not graduation, but it would be senior whatever the last senior Sunday is called. Senior send off? Senior celebration? Senior send off. Yeah, senior send off. That's Fagan's, right? Yep. Senior send off. The university used to do a senior celebration, which where you go yeah, like in the um, field house. Yep. You get a ticket. You know, you get three tickets for beers or whatever. Um, I remember my first year there. Who was it? I was a freshman, and they had like key love and special sauce playing that thing for the seniors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by the time I, I was a senior, it was really lame. You know, they had a decent band. I do remember that, and it was a fun time. We went. With, it was me and Laughlin. I think everybody else might have been working. It was me and Laughlin. We hung out with Corey. Uh, Corey. Um, Corey Brand was her name back then. Okay, I believe her name is Corey Penn now. She was. Um, she was a a mass hole. She was from like Linfield or or Peabody. She grew up with soap, and uh, she was always like Corey. You know, Soph's friend Corey, Soph's friend Corey. And then, like, I don't know, a month, a month before school ended, they started to date. And then they lived together after college for a while, and they were, you know, they were kind of serious. So I think that's why, I mean, we were friendly with her, but I think that's probably why we, we were hanging out with her, because she had started to show up a little more. Yeah. And then um, Tracy Kime. I don't think we've ever talked about Tracy Kime. There's there really no good segue or intro into introducing the the, the character of Tracy Kime, but um, she was a chick that we knew, and maybe some other random broad 
It was weird. It was like a weird mix, but we had we had a good time. Then ended up going back to going back to Fagan's. But the senior send off, the 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 last senior Sunday before graduation that Fagan's throws, I thought would be a a really uh, a a good setting for like a Richard Linkletter dazed and confused type timeline. You know, like a night in the yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Everything leading up to yeah, the final exactly. moment before you burst out into life. Um, I, I, I even have a working title for it. I guess technically yeah. within that time frame, you could have us as the sophomores getting paddled and shit. <laughs> right, Carl. You're going to date confused. Everybody's taken into account, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Oh, do you want to hear my working title or no? We're just gonna we're gonna glance right over that. It's a good sure. it's a good title. I yeah. It's I in hear through it. the outdoor. In through the outdoor. Ah, nice. You know, because because back in the day, you'd come in, you'd you'd circumvent the line by coming in through the kitchen, right? Yep. Yeah, go through the uh, that little door where you had to hunch down and climb down the stairs that led to the alley. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You had to yep. climb. You had to go through the 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 alley into the dumpster bin area, open the small door, or hope somebody would open the small door for you. Then uh, slowly navigate down wet, slimy stairs, Ugh. three or four wet, slimy stairs. You know how bad it was uh, back into the there kitchen. when it was cold. You know, and it was like uh, uh. when all like the garbage and nastiness was like freezing outside that was even worse than yeah. what it wasn't because you know, if you slip on it <laughs> yes it was horrible because it was always wet yes you know yes. it was always reeking of of dumpster juice it was, gross. Oh, it was, it was so gross. gross back there and and i mean and i'm sure you did this all the time i used to go back there and pee all the time <laughs> you know like when it'd be so uh. busy you know, you just yeah, go yeah, pop yeah. back out there and go pee, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, it was friggin' disgusting up there. Yeah, it was gross. It was gross. Yeah. I wonder how they... They must have wheeled those things out into the alleyway and then drove a truck up and, and dumped them into the garbage. Because they were, like, tucked away. Right? They were dumpsters yeah. back there. Yeah, they were dumpsters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when you were somebody. You know, that's when yep. you knew you were somebody when, when, when that was a, uh, a natural ingress and egress to your, to your evening. Yeah. It meant like you had cachet. The fact that you could, the fact that you were able to go those ways, you know? Yeah, totally. Yep. Totally. You ever Good climb time, up man. on Good the time. roof? No, I've never been up on the roof. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, what? I mean, I guess it was technically, was it the roof next door or something? I'm trying to think. Did you have to go, you to go on a ladder? Yeah, you go out to the back. You know, like through that back exit through where the um, the little secret, the little the room that's under the um, under the DJ booth. Wait, say it again. You're the room under the DJ booth. Yes, okay. The room under the DJ booth. There's like an emergency exit back there. Yes, correct. And there was like like a friggin' fire escape or something stairs. Did it go anywhere? Yeah, you not the fire escape. And you could maneuver your way on to. I guess it must have been. I don't know. It must have been the roof next door. It couldn't have been the Fagan's roof. You know, because it was. (laughs) Did it overlook Marshall Street? (laughs) No, no, but it was like the type of place where you go and just, I don't know. I don't know why we started going up there, but it was like pretty much the end of my last year. And I remember Scott Isaacs, you know who Scott Isaacs is? No. All right. Scott Isaacs was the DJ uh, when I was there and he used to rank a lot of people because he's, <laughs> he's very Scott Isaacs-y. He's, he's like. Uh, a super regular at at uh, Poor House uh, Syracuse events now because he's like a producer for WCVB, you know, I think on the sports end up there in Boston. Okay. He's a very, okay. very sweet kid, but he's, an, he's, 
you know, very sweet kid. And he was there. He he'd been taking pictures. I hope this isn't interrupting your story. You no, know? I think my story's over. All right. And since I technically graduate ninety nine, it was Scott was a you know he was a year behind me. He was graduating ninety nine. You know, and I guess he was going around taking pictures with everybody well known on campus, as far as he was concerned. And I'm up on that roof with a couple of people, you know. I don't even know who was there. There was probably abroad, probably another dude. We're just hanging out, you know, probably smoking dope, drinking drinks or whatever, you know. Okay. And this is like, this is like the very last night. I don't know if it's Senior Sunday send off or what, or maybe the week leading up to it. It's right at the end, you know. And Scott Isaacs comes walking out on that roof. And he's like, Liv, I finally found you. And he's like, I got pictures with blah, blah, blah. And Donovan McNabb and everybody on campus. And finally, I'm going to get a picture with you. <laughs> That's great. And he That's tracked great. me down to the fucking roof. <laughs> and I, I love that he put you in this... <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember thinking, I was like, oh, you put me on par with people that you couldn't leave this university without, you know, the celebrities. <laughs> right, Donovan McNabb. You and Donovan McNabb. Yeah, that's what he grouped it. I was like, it was hilarious. But, you know, like you're saying, though, when we were there, we were like the celebrities. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, I mean, it's like everybody knew. Who, anybody that ever walked in Vegas knew who the hell you were, you know. <laughs> When you were there. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you wouldn't have got on the bar and gotten naked if you didn't feel like you were, like, somehow didn't feel like friggin' Teflon, basically. Like, invincible. Yeah, right. Like, I had a pass. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, honest to goodness, I did. Right? Uh, and that was the great thing. When you reached that level, you had a pass to do whatever you wanted. So I'm saying. I, I think... It wasn't like just anybody could go walking through the back or anybody could just go on the fucking roof and, you know, smoke pot, you know, <laughs> Shit like that. all the liability issues. <laughs> yeah, right. just even the liability issues on on the standard operating procedure, well, like climbing like, up to the DJ. That's what I was going to say, the fucking the, the steel ladder that you pulled out and climbed up. And how often did you climb up and down that thing when you were completely inebriated? <laughs> All the time. Every time. Every time. Do you know how many times I had to take a piss in a given in a given DJ shift? I didn't drink on Wednesdays um, because I had classes on Thursdays and, uh, you know, yep. I'd occasionally... I'd occasionally have a couple drinks on a Sunday, but I had classes on Monday. But if I worked a Thursday night, you know, I wasn't always the Wednesday Sunday guy. You know, I had to work my way up to that. I'd work a Thursday night. I'd have to work a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, and you know, they'd feed you drinks. Yeah, you get wasted. I had to piss at least twelve times in a four-hour shift. Yep, and I remember going because. You know, if you weren't the DJ, but you you knew him and you weren't working, you'd want to go and hang out up there because it was cool, you know? you go hang out, yeah. freaking pick out music, and you could look over the crowd. <laughs> you didn't totally. have to, exactly, you didn't have to fraternize with anybody. <laughs> exactly. Right. You were literally above the fray. <laughs> Right, and on those the nights that I had worked, yeah, the nights that I had worked, uh, everybody else had off. Yep. So that's what they would do. They, you know, they'd come up. That would be part of of the of the cycle, you know, of the rounds. Come down around midnight, eleven thirty midnight. Have a couple drinks, say hello, maybe stop up or maybe not. Go across the street to Lucy's, have a few drinks, come back. And if you hadn't stopped up earlier, you'd stop up again, listen to, you know, listen to a song or two, request a song or two, then go back down, wait for after hours, wait till I cleaned up. Like, it was it was like Groundhog Day. Every day was Groundhog Day. Yep. It totally was, man. And another thing was, you remember climbing up that ladder? I mean, 
You had to go through. It was right over the dish room. So yes, it's like yes. I'm, I'm so the rise. Nobody hurt themselves. It was always slick. <laughs> yes, and guys were working. That's yes. where they washed dishes. You know, that's where they washed the glasses and the goblets. Yeah. And, you know, all, all the glassware. You'd have to climb up that ladder, like in your slippery ass wet shoes. It was like asking for like a fucking a disaster. You know, asking for like an injury. And I can't Absolutely. believe it never happened. Not while we were there. You know? Just crazy. Yeah, it, absolutely, man. Absolutely. The amount of shit you can survive when you're young is amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like the the dexterity and reflex that you have as a twenty something year old, regardless of how drunk you are, or regardless of how stoned you are, is is like otherworldly compared to adults and middle-aged men. Like now, the best I, the best thing I got is that I can usually catch the soap when it slips out of my hand in the shower. Yeah, like that's it. That's my shining moment. Twenty years ago, twenty twenty-two years ago, Peters and I are jumping off of the new house, uh, the new house building into snowbanks. You know, ten foot high snowdrifts. We're yeah. jump, we're jumping off twenty foot high buildings into those snowbanks. Yep. Like who? What? Yeah, it's it's insane. You know? I'm afraid the next time I f- I go downstairs, I'm gonna fall down the, I'm gonna trip down the steps and break my neck. Well, that was like, <laughs> I wouldn't friggin' just go hop on a friggin' dining hall tray and go sledding up at the top of that friggin' hill by Brewster Boland anymore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I remember that uh, time so... thinking it's like, well, theoretically, you go right in the street and get hit. But it's like, oh, well. <laughs> Listen, I'm so glad you brought that up because there's been something I've been meaning to talk about. Uh, I don't know where it is. Uh, maybe maybe it's on our uh, maybe it's on our Twitter account. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's Instagram. Um, we had recently gotten a follower that I hadn't thought of in about 20, 25 years, right? 24 years. Yeah. Uh, Matt McAllister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know him? Well, he's a Facebook friend. Yeah. He's, a, okay. I know he's a Zai right. guy as Klaus would call them. Zai He, he graduated with with me. He was he was my year, and I was relatively friendly with him because he dated Tara Fox. Um, okay, for a long time, or at least a long time ago. I don't remember if they let, if they dated a long time or if it was just a fling freshman year. But that was my introduction to Matt McAllister. Was we um, <laughs> we grabbed a couple trays from the dining hall one night and decided to uh slide down the hill outside of Boland. But um, yeah, Peters used to yeah, do the this hill thing outside where of Boland. His... That was a night. That was that was my starter hill. Okay, all right. So we were we we Peters had this thing where he'd open up his window. He lived on Boland two, maybe. And uh, he'd open up his window and he'd yell, hello, Syracuse, which is kind of a... Who did this? A Mike Peters. Oh, Mike right? Peters. It became, a, it became a Peters trademark. Hello, Syracuse! Yeah. And then in, inevitably people would yell back, shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> so he's uh, so we go to go sledding outside of Boland and he's yelling hello Syracuse and people are like fuck you shut the hell up <laughs> <laughs> uh, and man I want to say I, I want to say we kept our clothes on I wanna, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that I'm pretty sure we had clothes on because I don't think nudity had had crept into the had crept into the shenanigans at that point so we just sledded for a while. And then we went up, uh, hang out, had a couple of beers in Mike Peters and, and, and Reardon's room. And Tara Fox lived just below them. So on my way back to my room in Brew, uh, Brewster 1, I went down the stairs and I stopped in Tara's room just to see what she was up to. But she wasn't there. 
So I waited for a few minutes, but then she, I heard her coming down the hallway and she was coming down the hallway with a dude. So I panicked and jumped in her closet. Yeah. And, and hid in her closet and she came in the room with, uh, Matt McAllister who apparently was a bloody pulp because he had, uh, also tried to go sledding down down the hill outside of Boland. And okay. the, their conversation was, she was like, why did you do this? And she's apparently like cleaning him, cleaning his back, you know, like has a, like a cotton swab or a, you know, a napkin or something. He's got some scrapes and, and uh, cuts on his back. Cause I guess, you know, he went down the hill and his back yeah. got all fucked up. Right. So I'm in the yeah, uh, I'm in the the closet while she's cleaning his uh, you know his his guts out, but I'm on the other side of the room. It's one of those split doubles, and you know how they have the the phones that are jacked into the room. You know, like those yeah, old, yeah, old yeah. landlines, landlines as the kids used to call them back in the nineties. Yep, the landlines. So I dial up Peters and Reardon. And I go, I'm in Tara Fox's room. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in the closet. I'm like, why, why are you in the closet? Why are you whispering? I'm like, she's in here with Matt McAllister. And they're like, what are they doing? You got to get out of there. I'm like, she's cleaning his guts. She's cleaning his guts. And Rick's going, she's licking his nuts. She's licking his nuts. I'm like, no, no, no. She's not licking his nuts. She's cleaning his guts. Just <laughs> and apparently I wasn't whispering because you're a drunk 18 year old hiding in a closet. Yeah. In a room that's 15 by, you know, 15, 10 by 15 feet. So needless to say, I was, I was outed literally. Yeah. Uh, as dragged out of the closet. My suave, suave moves did not uh, did not keep me hidden. So, <laughs> Matt McAllister, I noticed, followed us on on one of our social media uh, our social media platforms. So I was pretty excited that uh, you get to relive that, that story with him. Relive that Ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> Who knows if he's a listener? I mean, I'd I'd love it if he was a listener, but. Uh, a boy can only dream, right? Yeah. Well, maybe I have to give a shout out to him. You know. Oh, here he, you go. Hey, Matt McAllister. No, here, when, when it's posted, out. and he might see it and oh, right. think, oh, yeah, okay. right. maybe I will listen. They were talking about me. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. So, so there we go. There we go. Uh, you want some ice cream? Yeah, little, sure. Uh, go get me a bubble play. <laughs> I'll take. Uh, I'm always. Uh, I'm always partial to the strawberry shortcake. Okay. The good humor strawberry shortcake with the uh, yeah. on the stick with the like the crumbles on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about a three stage bomb pop? That's always a good one. Uh the bomb to me. Bomb Pop is is more trouble than it's worth, although it is a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, it is. It's it's cheap as hell, you know, because all it is is ice flavor. I always like Bubble Play. Uh, Choco Taco was good. You ever have the Choco Taco? Sure. That whole rubbery taco thing. (laughs) Yeah. The Bubble Play had the pink glove with the baseball... A uh, piece of gum and and the ice cream tasted almost like Pepto Bismol. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have uh, I didn't have ice cream trucks when I was a little kid because we lived in a real a real rural uh, right. part of town, you know. So now you're like uh, me. You I live in the hood, so you always have them because I always have them in my neighborhood because they're they're all over the hood. <laughs> always, and um, there's a couple of them that go by. But I like the guy that has the soft serve machine in his. I oh, that's a fancy one. Yeah, it's, and and like you can get it chocolate dipped. Yeah, 
I remember when I was little and they used, that was always a big thing because they'd uh, like when I was, I'm talking like three years old even because that's why I remember when uh, my brother Chris was playing baseball at Metairie Playground. You know, we'd go there for his night games. I remember he'd be like three or four years old or whatever, and they'd, you know, Ice Cream Man would always make his way in the playground because that was like, you know, oh, of course, friggin' fish barrel there, man. Yeah, and totally. To that. And, uh, you know, that's one of my early memories of my childhood there. A fond memory. I remember actually being in Syracuse, and this is between... When was this? This must have been between junior and senior year, or the summer of 97, because, yes, because this guy should have graduated. This guy, Neil Leary, who was up there, and he... I was hanging out with that guy during the summer. You know how it is when you're up there for the summer. You, you know, summer makes weird um, friendships, sort of, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. Absolutely. So, Enter Dan Ornstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember <laughs> for um first part of the summer, Steve and I were, like, living in the house together, you know? But then, like, I think Steve might have gone home. To, to Reading for a bit, you know, and it was just me. And I remember uh, this dude, Neil, who was one of the other guys that was up there. And he, he used to date a girl that worked at Fagan's. She was a cocktail waitress. She was his year. Uh, whatever, we're just hanging out. I think he was trying to take, like, a final class I had to take just to finish up graduation. And one day we're hanging out, and we hear the ice cream truck, and we just went uh, – we went like sprinting out of the house, sprinting like two blocks down to track down the ice cream <laughs> truck. <laughs> down the hill or up the hill? Uh, it was probably actually on the backside. What was the backside okay. street right there? Was it um that ran along? Was it Ostrom? That's Ostrom. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess it was up and over. You know. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, like, oh, getting everywhere. Truck. Everywhere was uphill. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yep. Would you? Would you end up getting? I don't even remember. We were just psyched to get the ice cream truck that day. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a Choco hey. Taco. Um, speaking of our social media accounts, we uh, we got a new follower. Oh yeah, who's that? Pearl Washington Jr. Yeah, you know, he, uh, yeah, I I saw that recently, and I was like, I guess that's, yeah. I mean, maybe he was just going out to follow all things Cuse-related, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. He... Say that again? Did you look into the profile? Because I didn't do too much searching. Yeah, because sometimes people just take names and run with it, you know. No, it's definitely um, it's definitely his son because they he has started the um, the the you know the tournament. Yeah, he uh, he's got a team. Oh, okay, okay. So he's trying to get uh, he's trying to get a team together. Which let's see here. I took a look at the team. The one like Syracuse has been doing the past few years, the alumni, the Bayheims Army the, thing. The Bay, exactly. Yeah, I saw. Exactly. I saw today that they need a few more votes because you. It's based on how many votes you get if you get a position in the tournament. Of course, Syracuse always has enough. You know, you need yeah. so many Twitter likes or something like that. You yeah. know. Although I was thinking about making the. The Pearl Thirty Ones is the is the team, uh, the official tournament team of of the Two Star Excuses. But I'm looking at the I'm looking at the roster, and it's other than the fact it's Pearl. It's probably uh, lots of Brooklyn guys. It's Dwayne imagine. Johnson uh, Jr. Who else? Who'd you say? So besides uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., there's really no other Syracuse connection. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, did I thought he stayed up in Syracuse after he graduated? Pearl? I mean, I know he was up yeah. there. He was working for like the recreation department, but I don't know about. I mean, honestly, I don't know much about his son. You know, yeah. how old's the son? You know, 
I mean, does it say? Um, no. No, but I mean, he looks mid-30s. No, he can't be mid-30s. Late-20s, maybe? Hmm. I guess he could be mid-30s, right? Uh, Pearl was... Pearl's Pearl close to 50, right? in 1986, yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, a lot of guys who who I don't even know, these these really, they're not, uh, a lot of guys who don't have any college history. Elizabeth City State. Yeah. North Carolina Central is probably their biggest, uh, their biggest uh, alumni representative. Elizabeth State, North right. Carolina Central. Yeah, yeah. They made a tournament a couple couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's let's see. They had here. a guy get drafted uh, by the. I think the Bears drafted a guy from North Carolina Central, or maybe it was A and T. I don't know. I know they're all in the MEAC. Those are historically black colleges. Yeah. HBCUs. Let's see here. Click. Uh, so, Devendorf, C.J. Fair, Rick Jackson, Scoop Jardine, Brandon Trish. You looking at Bayheim's army? Yeah, most of the same guys are coming back. Yeah, I mean, Bayheim's army is the basic official Syracuse entry. And there's, you know, there'll be like two or three guys that didn't play at Syracuse, as there was like last year. But it's, for the most part, it's all former Cuse guys. I, um... It says though we're ineligible right now, but there's teams that are below us that are el- oh maybe they had big they had higher higher standings. Yeah, well that's what I was saying. It was today year. that I saw it said so many more likes than we're in or something, you know, and that was just yeah. going that was earlier today. So my, they might just not updated everything. So you think we got in? Oh, I'm sure they're. Probably in there. I'd imagine. So what's it? It's it's a five on five single elimination tournament. Anybody can enter. Yeah. Okay. Nine teams based on popularity. Six teams at large. And one team in each region to play through to the Jamboree. There's four regions, 64 teams. So nine. So okay. Well, one team in each region will play in through. Oh, okay. All right. So you get a chance to play in. So, all right. And then they have a general manager. That's the team leader who oversees aspects of the team. Blah blah blah. The booster is a public figure that gives it a unique identity and helps it gets votes. I guess that would be Bayheim, right? Yeah. Their booster. The coach who oversees in-game strategy, players, and then fans, anyone uh, who votes. Uh, each person gets four votes. The top 100 voters of the winning team share 10% of the prize. And then I remember from last year, they get, like, um, you can unlock unlock roster additions and shit like that, right? It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's like a fan-driven kind yeah, they of structure. Need to raise they raise money want, and stuff. I know that much. Yeah. They want a lot of activity. And does this go to charity? Or no, you just well, you're playing to play win for a bunch of money, and that's it. Winner, winner take all. I don't know. Second or, place probably gets something, but they. Okay, here's an article from last May, basically a year ago, May fourth, two thousand sixteen. Washington, now thirty-one, lives in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and works in Saucon Valley as a personal trainer for the Max Fitness Clubs. Okay. Yeah, so he's thirty-two now. Oh, yeah, so I wasn't off. I wasn't, I wasn't that far yeah. off. So 32, you know, 1985. Yeah. So he was born while he was in college. 
Oh, he finished his own college basketball career at Elizabeth State University, a Division II program located in Northeast Corner, North Carolina. He graduated in 2008 with a degree in exercise science. Interesting. So he must have gone back to school. Graduated 2008. Well, 2008 was nine years ago. He would have been 22. I mean, uh, oh, 23. Jeez, wow. Yep. Holy Christ. Yep. No, he was right on time. Basically. Man. So it sounds like here. he might. It doesn't say where he was born, but it seems like he might have been from Brooklyn. You know, because. Pearl might have had a girlfriend because he was born '85 or something, you know. Uh, I see. I see where you're going with that. No, so I think he might I see have where you're been. Going with that. Yeah, because he, he says really Dwayne Washington Jr. He talks about they talk basketball naturally. They attended Brooklyn Nets games, Philadelphia 76ers games. They watched games on television. They went out to eat. He's talking about his last days with them, you know. Right. Right. So. All right. All right, that makes sense. I went the more traditional family unit, but you went maybe non-traditional there. And I think well, you, he was you, definitely you, in college right. when he fathered him, you know. So, but I mean, that's common. I mean, I think you know. I mean, there's lots of lots of dudes in college with kids. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Leonard Fournette, I think, just had his second child recently. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, how do you even, you know? Like, forget about yeah. the fact he's not going to class, you know? He's not, like, he's there, he's majoring in football. I get that. But still, he still has got to go to practice. He still has to show up at class, you know? I don't know. He may be Dean's list. I might be. I might be selling him short, and I don't mean to do that. But uh, he's a he's a first round draft pick from uh, a major university. I don't imagine that he's breaking his back in the classroom. But even with that, he's still only a twenty, you know, twenty two year old, twenty twenty two year old kid, twenty two year old man who's in college, not making any revenue. Kids are stupid, man. You know, I think by the time you're 18, you know, friggin', you know. I mean, because it's not like he impregnated a girl when he was 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the first kid, he probably impregnated the wife when he was 18. I mean, I think people know by the time they're 18 how babies are made. (laughs) Or I'd like to do, you know. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but. And I understand that there's that that aspect of you know of indestructible that mindset of being indestructible and that there are no consequences when you're you know when you're sixteen to twenty twenty one twenty two like you can you can jump off of where's Willemboro, New Jersey? That is uh, down south. It's um, okay because that's it's not a very... as the hometown of Dwayne Pearl Washington Jr. Interesting on his Elizabeth okay. City State Viking. Oh well, no, because that would have been that was before he played for the Nets. That is that he would have been born. Yeah, Willingboro is a good hour away from from where the Nets would have played. And his high school is Lenape Regional. Uh, Lenape. Lenape? Okay. That's down there, too? Yeah. Lenape, from the Lenape-Lenape Indian tribe. Okay. Now I'm looking at a map of it. Okay. That's closer to Philly. Yeah, because right away, right when it popped up, I saw Cherry Hill and all that on here. Yeah. Not a great town. Not a great town. Kind of rough. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I wish him the best. We the two sorry excuses. Yeah, good luck, uh, certainly, man. Certainly, we're rooting for him. I don't think. Um, I don't think we're going to throw our endorsement, our mighty, 
uh, endorsement behind them. Yeah, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> but uh, we will be uh, keeping Dude, an eye Dude, that on school's them. got a 7,064 person enrollment. That's huge. Um, all right, that's enough about the Pearl Sun. Yeah, what else you got? Uh, well, um, I mean, this is since we are talking about a lot of Syracuse today, I came home and in the mail was the Syracuse University Magazine Spring 2017. Ah, interesting. I haven't gotten yes. that yet. Yeah, it just came in today. And there's a couple of notable things in here. Um, first, in the in memoriam, you'll notice that under 2014 is Fab Mello. Uh, uh, that's I don't know if it's morbid or not, but that's the first section I always go to is the in memoriam. Yeah, section. and then I see people like in my years, and I'm like, I don't know those people. I'm like, oh man, it's terrible. People died so young. Yeah. There, yeah. But. If you go to page 53 in here, they got a little article about giving Cuse Day. And then there's a quote in here. It said, said Matthew Livicari, 99, I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity that was given to me by Syracuse University. It has resonated through my entire life, ever since I enrolled as a wide-eyed 18-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when so you I've gave that quote. Did you made it. I officially Did you know it. that? Did you know that that was going to be published? Yeah, because they an email was sent to me back in January or late December or something. Ask you know they're like we I think the given day might have been November, and they were like yeah. we saw your uh, your quote and we were wondering if we could use it <laughs> if we could publish it in yes. the Spring Alumni Magazine. I was like, and I responded, I was like, you know, basically like hell yeah. <laughs> You son and of a bitch. I was, like, I was like, oh, can you actually fix this? Because I was like, there's something that seemed a bit off, you know? And she put it, and my name is spelt correctly, so I'm happy. So <laughs> I can die an accomplished man. I have, I have been published in the Syracuse Alumni Magazine, which is being read by slightly uh, a few hundred more people than listen to our podcast. So Very nice. whatever, Very to nice. get to that point. You know, you might not even get to that point because it's all in the middle of like, but you might come across it because you start in the back usually because that's where the deaths are and what alumni are to and you look to see, all right, do I know anybody that died? All right, do I know anybody that's doing anything? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. But you're probably not going to notice that, although it is kind of in a prime spot if you're going to be just thrown in text, it's. It's along the side of the picture that is the um, the focal point of the little article, the one page piece on on giving Cuse Day. You know, are you? Is it anywhere near the three page spread of the uh, of the cello player who is playing with the Reykjavik Orchestra? Probably not, because I never even saw that. Is this thing is 53 page in the 53rd page, and this uh, thing is 64 pages long. So there you go. <laughs> so, are you any are you anywhere near the blurb about the undergraduate who is uh, helping purify water in Rwanda? Let's see. Uh, it's a couple. I haven't gotten. That, uh, I haven't gotten the mag. I haven't gotten the magazine yet. But those are online? those are basically. Yeah. Those are basically the prime stories. Yeah, I know. Here's that the, the one. The Syracuse Magazine always gives. Keeping career goals clear. Uh, there's one about. Oh, it's it's only nine pages after the Q and A with Tom Coughlin. <laughs> ah, oh, that's a good one. The two page spread. Nice Tom Coughlin. So. Tom Coughlin, 68, G 69. Understand what's important in life and tales of SU football. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. That's a guy I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind having come back and, and play a bigger role in the university. Yeah, well, he's running Jacksonville now, though, isn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, kind of sucks they coached Boston College and we never had him coaching us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's a good. He's good on a college campus. I think that he had a very good reputation uh, at at BC. Um, yeah. You know, and I think he could. You know, he could he could be an administrator of some type because I think he can raise money. I think he still has a connection. I think he's he's an old guy, but like. He he understands, you know, modern athletes. I think he understands the modern athletic programs. Um, well, here you go. Here's the biggest news of our um, for for our fellow alumni. Cl- Marvin K. Lender, class of '63, was inducted into the Baking Hall of Fame in Manhattan, Kansas, in recognition of his innovative contributions to the industry and entrepreneurial spirit. There you go. Wait, Murray or Marvin? Marvin. Is that Murray's brother? Probably, because uh, I believe he is involved with the Lender Bagel business. But Murray's like the face of it, right? Uh, yeah, they used, to have, they used to have commercials. Yeah, yeah, I remember Hi, the commercials back in the day. But I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it has to be his brother, because where the odds there's, you know, another Lender that's big enough to be inducted into the Baking Hall of Fame. That's that's a pretty it's a pretty good company. Yeah, that's some esteemed um, um, company right there. You know, you're probably in there with the likes of uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy and Betty Crocker and whatnot. <laughs> uh, here's a so I just went to the SU magazine online. Uh, one of the spreads. Oh, so wait. Oh no, this is fall. Wait, what's going on here? That's a full usually you get 16. usually you get an email, and I thought the email would come before the actual publication. Usually they'll send an email with the digitized version of the um, of the alumni magazine, but I guess it comes afterwards. Okay, yeah, this is the fall winter 2016. So you're looking at spring. Yeah, I was using that fall winter one the other day to. Uh, Try to smack flies and stuff around the house. <laughs> uh, good times, good times. See, I see like a name I recognize in here. But I didn't know the guy. I was like, oh, that's that nerd that used to sit in front of me in that science class. <laughs> so here's the big feature story of the uh, of the fall winter one is uh, as an English major in the College of Arts and Sciences, a Newhouse student studying magazine journalism. Uh, Kristen Brandt devoted her time to SU learning to tell stories with excellence. Six years later, as the co-founder and chief programs officer at a nonprofit organization called She's First, Brandt is giving her all to helping transform the life stories of girls around the world. You know, nice. Like we, we're always sending somebody over to so somewhere over to Africa or Asia to yeah. You know, make well. Whenever you get this about. magazine, go to page sixteen because I got to figure out how to get the jacket that Malcolm. Ali Davis is wearing class of 18 is wearing in this in this uh, piece here. It must be some honor that you get at Syracuse. It's a is it an orange jacket? No, it's it's navy, but the lapels are outlined in orange and it's got the Syracuse crest on the pocket. You know, he looks like he has adorned with some well, he's got a nice orange pocket square but i assume all these other flourishes he added himself like the actual citrus orange and the other flare on the jacket but it must be some um special jacket you get well he's famous of course i could probably, I could probably he, he's not, he hasn't even graduated yet i could probably figure it out by reading the article but come on that's, yeah, that's getting a bit much he's, He's an actor. He's an actor. He is? He is. He plays the... Uh, I appeared uh, in his first commercial when he was just three years old, doing a radio commercial for the New Jersey Aquarium. Uh, he's also played the, the uh, Simba from The Lion King on the national tour. Okay. Yeah, okay. I played the Syracuse because I had to, he says with a smile. When it came time for him to attend college, his family recommended he study something outside the entertainment field as a way to support himself while pursuing his acting and singing careers. 
Because his parents, Martin Davis, 78, and Michelle Walker Davis, 82, G85, brother Martin Abdul, 12, and sisters Davinia, 10, and Destiny, 15, grad, all graduate from Syracuse University. They encouraged him to choose SU for his college experience. At first, he resisted the idea, one instead to study drama at a university in California. I applied to Syracuse because I had to, he says with a smile. Oh. <laughs> Still, I think I've seen these jackets before. They give them to you for something. You know? It's got to be some type of achievement, I think, to give them to you. Like some kind of distinction. I know LSU, you get one. They'll give you this purple jacket if you are if you donate so much money to the school. Okay. If that's the issue, right. I mean, I'm getting one of those jackets because I will never have enough money to, to donate unless I die and bequeath them the meager pittance that is left in my account which might technically be enough to get the jacket but I'll never be able to wear it <laughs> get the jacket and bury me in it <laughs> All right. they expedite the probate process just so you can get the jacket delivered yeah you know the other day I was actually thinking about how I would if I knew I was going to die or something how I would get around you know, if I knew I was going to die in the next couple of weeks, how I would get around the um, the issue of getting rid of all my money, you know, since I'm so mired in legal uh, student loan debt, you know? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I guess I could, you know, if I had enough money to buy off the house, which I might between all of my assets, you know, like you know, uh, retirement and what I have in savings, you know, I might have enough to pay off the balance. So you would take that and pay off the balance, do the act of donation, sign rise, or just sell the house and donate the money to somebody. But it'd be easier just to convert, the uh, to buy the house and then donate it to somebody before you died. You know, I think that would yeah, be yeah, an easier yeah. way to go. Uh, didn't having to deal with actually, trying to uh, transfer tens of thousands of dollars at a time to somebody, you know, because they ask more questions for stuff like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. thought to be thinking right now. <laughs> See, that's way more clever than my idea. I have a series of uh, treasure maps that I've, uh, I've conveniently hidden around my house, and it's like a scavenger hunt. Okay. The first, the first like team I run anyway. I broke up my family into teams, <laughs> and uh, you know it's the first one to collect the most points during the scavenger hunt uh, wins all of my debt. Yeah. <laughs> wins all you. <laughs> See, that's the problem. I never want my. As long as I have debt like that, I would never want my. Um, I would never want my succession opened because then the debt attaches, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, well. All right, man. Well, um, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right. That's it for me. Right. That's it for right, me. Although, if, very heavy if you... This is a very Q's-heavy episode. Um, but... If you have some time, I suggest you uh, you go rent the movie Scavenger Hunt. If you've never seen that movie, uh, it's a classic. Who's that? Name somebody. I'll give you a hint. It was made in 1979. Uh, see, my favorite movie of that ilk is Midnight Madness. Okay. And that was made like in 1979, too. You know that one? Uh, it's like no, but- Michael J. Fox's first movie ever. Uh, all right, let's see here. He plays the annoying kid brother or whatever of David Naughton's character. You, you, but you still don't want to guess somebody from my movie? <laughs> all right, let me try to guess somebody 70s style. Um, Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, so close. So Charles close. You're, you're, in the ri- you're in the right vein. Oh, man, you're like, if we were playing... Uh, you know, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. I'd say you're like burning hot. You're on the sun. 
Um, Richard Benjamin, James Coco, Scatman Crothers, Cloris Lee, Levon okay. Little, Roddy McDowell, Richard Mulligan, Tony Randall, Dirk Benedict, Willie Basically Ames. anybody who would have been on an episode of Love Boat. <laughs> exactly. That's why I guess Charles Meat Nelson Riley, because he was always on Love Boat and stuff like that around that time. Yeah. You were right there. That's exactly the kind of ensemble cast uh, that it yeah, was. Yeah. It was. It's... Um, I wonder if it was a made-for-TV movie with that cast. Um, I definitely... That's where I saw it. I saw it on TV. I don't know if it was uh, made-for-TV or if it was a theatrical release. Okay. The $7 million budget back yeah, in 79. Yeah, it was a theatrical release then. That's a pretty decent... 20th yeah. Century Fox made it, so... Yeah, I'll okay. say that it went out there. It's good. Well, you, it's you've never Madness. seen Midnight Madness. Uh, let's see, Midnight Madness. Ah, it's a. I've even played a real life Midnight Madness game before. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Leon playing the great all nighter. Yeah, Leon. He's in charge of the game. All right, it's an all night scavenger hunt. David Naughton. Michael J. Fox, Stephen First, which is funny because Stephen First was in, was in, uh, um, Scavenger Hunt, the movie oh, we were just yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. He's a specialist in Scavenger Hunt films. Yes, apparently, apparently, um, and they just go and and it, and shenanigans ensue. Yeah, it's a race basically, you know, like there yeah, there's the uh there's the meathead team, the mean machine or whatever. Yeah, it's like the football team and like that's a great scene cuz they got to go to the Paps Blue Ribbon Brewery, you know, and one of the meatheads falls into the falls into the big vat of beer. It's a great movie. You know, I used to okay. I, it used to be on all the time when we were like like 7 or 8 years old. You know, when we first got cable it was one of those movies that was constantly on during the summer when you're a kid. Yes. Yep. You know, those movies you end up watching all the time. There was a uh there was a, a two thousand and one ripoff remake called Rat yes, Race. Yes, that was with Rowan Atkinson. I know he was in that. Yeah. Breckenmeyer, Amy Smart. Uh, basically the same. Yeah. Just, yeah, that was like a modern so. day yeah, rat race, yeah. I remember that. I never All did right. see it though. Uh yeah, I think I saw a few minutes of it. It's not particularly good. Rowan Atkinson steals the show and Of course. Basically that's all I need to know. All right, man, then on that note with apologies to Girk's brother. We will see you guys next week. Yeah. Good night, Fredo, and uh you know, see you at the uh, residence hall administrator's office. Yeah.